Sophie, and I am a drug addict. I'm Sophie. Um, super nervous. We'll probably ramble. May not make sense, but super glad to be here. Thank you for asking me to lead. Um, I am not a heroin addict, but um, I have used opiates, um, a lot of oxy in my time. Um, my addiction goes across basically any drug you can think of. Um, like I said, oxys. I had a molly phase. I had an acid phase. I had a meth phase. Um, but for me, not that it matters, all drugs are a drug, but my drug of choice is crack cocaine. Yeah. And it is um, just the love of my life, sickly still, because we're always sick. And so that's just my truth. But um, anyways, yeah, so my story a little bit. Um, I grew up in a in a weird family dynamic like some of us do it just wasn't it was not healthy at all um my parents were divorced my mom my mom is just like mentally very mentally ill um has a lot of shit going on there that she lovely lovely woman that she is she passed to me and um my dad is one of us i actually did a lot of crack with him though he is a functioning addict which can be a little infuriating not so much anymore because he's miserable inside right like we all were um but yeah it's hard like when someone doesn't accept that they're an addict but we all were there once i feel at least i was it took me a really long time um i started my um drug use with weed and alcohol when i was 11 years old and it just continued on from there it really never stopped since then there was a few times in like high school that you know i tried the whole thing of um you know, I won't use coke, I won't smoke crack, I'll just, you know, do some meth, or, you know, I'll just drink a bottle of vodka or two in 24 hours. It was no big deal for me. Um, I grew up in a family, number one, that it was normal if you hid it away from everyone. And um, in a town where, you know, I grew up in a pretty wealthy town, honestly, and everybody did drugs, and our parents, not mine specifically, but my friend's parents got rich and had big houses because of they because they were selling drugs. And so it was a lot of, you know, just illegal activity constantly. The cops kind of always looked um, away anytime one of us were like pulled over or found with anything. So luckily, but not luckily, because I wish I had gotten my ass handed to me. I had never been arrested. That's just not part of my story. Um, but it definitely should have been. I got away with a lot of shit, hurting people and putting my own life in danger many, many times. Um, men are also one of my drugs of choice. I love them. And um, around the time that I started using, I had this boyfriend who um, eventually introduced me to cocaine and, um, he was very abusive. He, just to be 
transparent, like it was like verbal, physical, you know, sexual abuse, like anything. But when you're in a relationship, right, it's love. So, you know, the sickness and the drugs kept me there and close. And um, I really felt like, you know, that was love and that was how I was supposed to live my life. It was supposed to live my life loaded. And um, I didn't get kicked out of school. Like I said, I didn't get arrested and all those things. So I thought my life was great. Like I thought that I had found my life's meaning in that little bag and in that rock like it was it for me um i let's see what else yeah so grew up in a family a lot of us use drugs moving on high school i would date people here and there but i always stuck with that one guy and um just yeah the story just continues with him honestly until i stopped using he just was very um he had a hold on me and i allowed him to do that even when i realized like how sick we were together and um like halfway we're still in high school now okay so high school i um my mom, one of her issues is she has an eating disorder, so like that's also part of my story. I know that's outside issues, but it's all my addiction in one, so it all just encompasses like that addict mentality in me and just like wanting more and like wanting to be something that I'm not all the time. So I developed an eating disorder, and so that was like feeding on the drugs too, and um, yeah, so and just... I don't know. It just was a long journey for me. I don't know if this is making sense. I'm kind of going nowhere. But my um, eating disorder brought me to, you know, like more Adderall and all this stuff. And um, Adderall helped me because I was doing okay in school, right? And then I got into nursing school. And so I thought my life was still great. So um, I went off to college and I got out of the town that I thought was like, you know, I was over it, like it was no good for me anymore, but in reality I had just like left a bunch of destruction and moved to a different state to start some more. Um, I was also a very violent addict when I was like at my best point, like my best high. I love to just like beat the shit out of people for no reason. And it's like funny, but it's like not because I put a few people in the hospital and like I'm like not a big girl, like I'm really tiny. But like if you can imagine, like it got me in trouble. So when I went to college, like didn't know anyone, got really close with this one girl um, and we just immediately were like in a toxic relationship not like sexually just like a friendship toxic codependent relationship that we were in nursing school together so we knew that like okay we'd have to figure it the fuck out and like be able to finish school however we were smoking crack daily um we were stealing from a lot of people because the school i went to was you know we were a bunch of like privileged rich kids in a private school that was in the middle of Philly and so there's just like unfortunately a lot of underprivileged people there and homeless people and as sick as we were right we would go and just like hurt people in different ways and like get money and like yes we were privileged and shit but um, at the time I did not get money from my parents so I did 
anything I possibly could to get money, get drugs. Um, at this point, I had made friends with this um, really great crack dealer, made great crack, um, but he was like literally two houses down. I, this was my school. I lived five houses down from my college and then two houses down. That was his house. And so it was like perfect for me. And I would be over there every day. And then eventually, you know, like we do whatever it takes. Like I started, you know, selling sex for money and for drugs and um, putting myself in all those kinds of situations and um, got my ass beat, you know, a few times. I just kept getting in trouble more and more. But like, again, I was thinking like, you know, I'm this, you know, privileged kid, like everyone's looking at me to, you know, do good. And I'm in nursing school, like I need to do good and I'm gonna be a nurse and I'm gonna help people. But meanwhile, like I couldn't help myself and I couldn't take care of myself. I wasn't, you know, doing the daily things. Like I was basically, just, yeah, I was just falling apart. Eventually we had like sold all our furniture and stuff in the house that we were living in. We had like nothing to begin with, but we were sleeping on literally the floor. We couldn't pay the bills or anything. And um, I was not attending class at this point. Um, but yeah, so we were just like living in this wrecked house. <laughs> bugs all over the place. Still, I was like, I don't have a problem, right? This whole time I'm thinking I don't have a problem. Until um, I got, finally I got kicked out of school for not attending class and I got sent back home. And um, I moved back in with my mom and it was just super sick. We were just feeding off each other then. Like I just, I always had someone that would like co-sign my shit, right? Or like they were sicker than me in my eyes. So I had to like, I felt better about it basically. It made me feel okay. And you know, it was this hollow shell, but like my mom's a piece of shit and falling apart. So I feel okay. I'm getting high in her house. Um, and I told someone this today, actually, like just the lengths that I would go to, to get high, like I almost like bargained my cat for a rock. So like, it was just, for me, that's a, I'm, it's a really low point because I love animals to death, but I literally almost did that and it just was escalating more and more. Um, and then finally, like right i've been smoking crack this whole time and i got back together with this dude and he was shooting heroin and um i ended up you know getting to that point where i you know was shooting cocaine and so that was like took a whole turn for me like i had like been outside my body like putting a needle in my arm and like whoa like this is really fucked up but i'm gonna do it anyways and then it happened and it, immediately it just like washed over me like all this like pain and regret and like all the like horrible things that i had done and like the people i had stolen from and like hurt and it um 
and it still didn't matter, right? Because like I didn't care about myself enough to be like, okay, I need to like do something about this. I just kept like, okay, there's no looking back now. I might as well continue to be a piece of shit. So I, um, I did that for like literally it was for a week. And in that week, then I went back to visit school. Um, it was December 12th. Nope, December 11th. December 10th, 2018, and um, I was just like visiting my friends again, and we were getting really high and getting really drunk, and I ended up taking a bunch of Xanax and um, blacking out completely, and you know, I, I, so, that all happened and I woke up that like night in the middle of the night in the hospital strapped to a bed four point restraint and um this just escalates like doesn't make any sense but blacked out was in the hospital tied to the bed full circle right I got tied to the bed because I was punching a nurse in the face meanwhile like I just was trying to be a nurse and help someone right just continuing to hurt people and um I had some like things happen to me I was raped when I was passed out in that time and um people stole everything from me my phone my keys they stole my car I was right by my car and I had my keys right in my pocket everything just was like taken from me in a second and I was strapped to that bed and um it just for me like no matter what happened on that journey I missed a lot of things in my story you know but the point that I wanted to make is like it all like led up to like this one moment that was so horrible for me and I still like was like oh my god I don't care like just let me out of here it doesn't matter like what's happening to me it doesn't matter what I did to you like I just need to go and at that point you know then there is a cop in there I'm not in fucking I'm from New Jersey so I'm not in New Jersey anymore I'm in Philly like those cops do not care they're gonna come right after me because I'm a little annoying ass girl and I'm just crying and being a brat and I'm you know just you know did a bunch of drugs and they just don't care for that right because some people just don't care they think you're just like a low down drug addict and it's your fault that this is happening to you and yeah it was partly my fault but I have that addiction in me so I'm in this place and they wouldn't let me go no matter what they said that they would have arrested me if I would leave because I assaulted a nurse and so that I needed to get some help um, and at the time I had a boyfriend that is kind of like unfortunately irrelevant. He was just like there to, um, he was there to give me the emotional love that like I didn't want, but like I was using him the whole time. So he kind of just like jumped back in the picture to help me like he is like codependent and, um, the other one who I was just shooting up with also came and they're all like these crazy people around me, right? That like some of them are using drugs too and they're like, yeah, so you have to get clean 
And I was like, how fucking dare you even say that to me? You know, meanwhile, this kid is like getting loaded in the bathroom, the hospital room with me right there. And then saying that to me, it was just really like a mind fuck for me and infuriating. So um, once again, they were like, you know, you assaulted a nurse. And so your family saying like, go get help. They're willing to pay for your treatment and everything. So if you don't go, like it's that or like court and jail. And so I am a little bitch. So I was like, yeah, like treatment it is. I'm not going to jail. You know, like I'm too fucking pretty for jail. But like, meanwhile, I was beat the fuck up. I was 110 pounds. Um, and like I'm 5'6", that's really tiny. I looked disgusting. I was losing my hair. Um, my teeth were like, I have like pretty good teeth, but honestly, I was just at the dentist and they said they're gonna have to pull a bunch in the back. That's what crack does, kids. So it was just like a lot all at once, like physically, emotionally, mentally, just dead inside. And um, I had never been to treatment at this point. I had been to the rooms a few times, but it was more for support of that boyfriend that I had. Um, and I didn't take it seriously, nor did I see it as like, oh my God, this is for drugs and you have to get clean. It was more like, this is a place that you just are going to and I'm just like accompanying you. And we're hearing these people like tell their stories of drugs, but like they're fucking nuts because like they're not using drugs, but they're talking about using drugs and we're loaded right now. You know, it was like, like, what? So, yes, so no treatment. I had done, like, OP for my eating disorder. Didn't take that seriously either. It was, like, a two-week thing, and it did not take anyways. And so I officially went to treatment, went to treatment in South Bend, Indiana. If you know where that is, it is literally the anus of the United States. I'm so sorry if you're from Indiana, but I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is horrible. It was um, a horrible treatment center. Like, people were getting high there and stuff. But luckily, I was just so scared and embarrassed, honestly, and I had no money phone nothing to even be like you know i'm gonna ama and go do this you know like i'm states away i'm so like sheltered from like my family my boyfriend like everything like that like i have no way of taking care of myself or coping or like even having the guts to run away right like i'm just so defeated that i stayed and um, luckily, I found a dude there, too, you know, a rehab boyfriend. So that kept me busy. And honestly, like, though that's, like, horrible, like, and this place was horrible, and I really did not learn anything. It's also Scientology-based, if any of you know that. So they tell us, like, you know, if you have a beer or, like, literally, if you smoke a blunt, like, it's just a lapse, and, like, you can continue on with your days. And I was like, okay, like, even I knew at that point, I was like, this is, like, not good. So, yeah. So, moving along now, I finished treatment. Um, you know, just, like, forgetting about, I went home right after treatment. And I, you know, forgot about, like, the detox and, you know, everything, all the pain that I was going through. I was also in kidney failure, just, like, 
to keep that in mind. Like my body was shutting down and I have a bad heart. I have a heart murmur. So my heart was no good either. It was like tearing to shreds almost at this point, just like in the small part, but it was not good for me. So I went home anyways and I was like, yeah, yeah, like I'm going to stay clean. It's fine. Um, but I went there for you know, the wrong reasons. And like, I was clean those 45 days for reasons other than me wanting to be clean, no matter how defeated I was. And so I went home and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be fine. I just like made them buy me a plane ticket home so that I can get there, get a phone, get my shit and go back to my boyfriend's house to get loaded. And as I was like packing my shit, just like shoveling things into my bag, and I got this like prepaid phone and I'm just like, you know, I just got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And my mom's like sobbing, like, so, like uncontrollably. And my mom is, you know, pretty abusive too. And she doesn't show um, emotions ever. So this was like a turning point for me. In my head, I was either like she's having a mental break or she's genuinely upset and scared for me. And either way, I was still like, I don't know if that's enough. For me to stay and um anyways something eventually clicked i was about to walk out the door with all my stuff and i just like stopped and dropped it and there was some like right like at the time i didn't know it but it was a spiritual awakening and i'm not sure exactly like what it was that clicked for me but it was my higher power that never existed in my life but was always there you know um just like stopped me and I picked up that prepaid phone and I called a number that they had given me at the last treatment center that was the only good thing they did for me which is just fine um but I came out to California and I was lucky enough to get a bed at this really great treatment center <clears throat> and um I'm not really tr that treatment center really did like help me save my life but I'm not really going to talk about it because like the rooms are what saved my life but um, I got to go to an all-women's treatment facility and, you know, learn how to empower myself again. And it took a really long time past that treatment time. But I got to come here and actually go to meetings. And I felt that feeling again of, like, you guys are so crazy, especially going from New Jersey where it is, like, all, like, older people. At the time, I was 18. I'm 20. 23 right now I almost forgot I'm 23 right now and I came here when I was 20 and um, it was all like 30 40 50 80 year olds in those rooms in New Jersey so when I came out here and it was like all people my age and younger like there was a kid sitting next to me that was 14 years old and I was like like what I was doing when I was 14 who fucking knows but not sitting here and um, <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. I stayed. I got to meet a bunch of people, some of which I went to that last treatment center with, and I was lucky enough that they were out here too, so I knew people. And uh, we all like got involved somehow, and just a bunch of people who were so in love with recovery and their sobriety, and we just stuck with it because at the time, you know, a lot of people just have a hard time getting clean and shit and 
I did too, but it was more just like my denial. But I put all of this in because I knew I had no other fucking choice. Like finally, I was like, okay, like these people, though they are weird, are doing it. And they actually genuinely seem happy. And um, so I found these people. It took me three months to get a sponsor because I didn't trust women or people in general. But I didn't trust women because I was so like isolated for such a long time other than that one girl and that one girl like we were so abusive to. So that was the only idea I had. And so I was like, I'll just get a male sponsor, right? Do that thing. Um, and I never asked a man, thank God. But, you know, I had the idea like I'm not going to like look for a woman to sponsor me. And I was sitting with a guy and sitting in this chair at a different meeting, but in this room, this was the first room I went to like legit, like actually gave a shit about meetings, meetings in here. And so this room is also very, very important to me. I was sitting next to a friend and he was like, oh, that's my friend leading. And she was sitting in this chair and she was like such a fucking boss. Like she talked about sobriety, like it was, it was better than drugs like and I was like whoa like this is on another level and so I I asked her I was like can you be my sponsor I was like I don't know if I want to work the steps but like I need a sponsor also for my program that I'm in like the IOP I have to get one but and I don't want to ask you to be my sponsor but I'm gonna ask you anyways and she was like great like we're gonna do steps regardless but so glad you asked me and I was pissed but I was really proud of myself for once for like in the back of my head right listening to suggestion because I wanted to do everything else that you were not telling me to do the opposite of everything and especially with that one thing it was just really hard for me and yeah just I don't even know how it happened and it kind of pissed me off looking back when I hit like my one year I was like they freaking like must have mind tricked me somehow into like staying you know but again it was like back to that moment where I was about to walk out the door and like go get high again like it it something kept me here like in my seat like I got to keep this seat I'm so blessed and grateful that I got to keep this seat um because in that first year I've been out here since then and since in that year I lost six people that I were very close to me and since then I've lost over a dozen and that's just people that are close to me and so it was like really happening at rapid pace and I had never experienced that before because the people that I got high with you know they were I mean, yeah, they're addicts and they used and stuff, but they more like stuck to like lighter stuff, right? Still drugs, but not things that were gonna like kill you. Eventually it all kills you though. So mm -hmm. I don't wanna like say that, but anyways, there's a lot of people out here doing fentanyl and shit. And so we know that's what kills you most of the time. So it was just really scary for me and it can continue to keep me here even till now you know, um, I worked with that sponsor. I still didn't know what that higher power meant, but I remember that third step prayer. I learned the serenity prayer. And when I said those prayers, I meant it. 
and the days that I didn't mean it, I really wanted to, and so I put it out in the universe. I did everything that that lady asked me because I wanted to, one, prove her wrong, and two, in the back of my head, though I would never have admitted it, I wanted to do anything I fucking could to, again, keep this seat and never, ever go back to Jersey. I just couldn't. It was killing me, and it was just a black abyss for me, and I knew if I went back that I would end up right back in that doorway but walking out. And, um, yeah, so that first year, I finished my steps right before I hit a year. When I did those first three steps, those were the most vital for me. The first two were, like, kind of easy. I definitely could at that point admit that I was an addict and I was powerless. When I got to the third step though, about accepting a higher power, I didn't, I still did not understand. So I borrowed my sponsor's higher power and honestly that was like the most beautiful thing to me. I I couldn't figure out how to get one. I was one of those people that I was like, okay, so like people say anything can be your higher power. What about like this plant or that doorknob, you know? Cause I'm like more of a tangible person. And yeah, I was like idiotically saying that, but I needed to know like what that even meant. Like what were those guidelines of what a higher power looks like? And so I borrowed hers and I did my third step prayer and I based it off hers. I would pray to Amber's God, that was her name. And I did my third step prayer and the way I did it was just in such a spiritual manner in which she took me through. And it was a whole other spiritual awakening that I had never experienced before. It was just like so beautiful for me. And I know like some people are like, it's not gonna be this whole moment where like, you know, rainbows and unicorns and orgasms and cheeseburgers are popping out all over the place, you know, like whatever everyone says. But for me, it was kind of like that. Like I started crying and all those feelings again of like defeat and stuff and regret and like resentment and shame and guilt, it all came back. But at the same time, it kind of just like settled. And I felt this peace finally of like, okay, I can accept that like I don't have to really like like this is what I did and I don't have to sit in it and fucking hate myself anymore and want to kill myself every day it was a great feeling and so I finished my steps I got sponsees eventually I got a different sponsor and that's fine too I grew out of her she was I needed someone more crazy like hard on me um and so I got that, you know, I did everything though in that first year, everything that people told me. And like I said, I don't know why I did it, but I did it. And I'm so lucky that I did it regardless of knowing why. And um, yeah, I don't know. I got commitments. I, you know, got the get well jobs. I did everything. I really did. Ha I was that person that had to like reacclimate re to society. And, you know, yeah, I got those things back like a car. I drive a beater still. That's the first one I got back in sobriety. It's a beater and I don't care. It's the first car I got. And I got a phone. Like that was a big deal for me. Got a phone got um, keys to an apartment now. I was lucky enough to manage a house, which was 
mind-blowing. Like, meanwhile, like, couldn't spend a minute with a woman, but then I was there in charge of all these women. That was fucking crazy. Like, didn't know why they trusted me to do that, but it was a beautiful process. And um, this last year, I was working on my steps again. I'm still working on them. I just recently got a new sponsor, like, literally this past week and it's been messy and honestly it's not all like one even keel thing like you're gonna do your steps and then your life's perfect it was like i did my steps and i fucked up a lot along the way you know like i dated people in active addiction because of course like i love dudes again like that didn't go away for a really long time either like i dated a guy in active addiction he tried to take me out a few times i almost let him um, I almost got high with a bunch of my friends a bunch of the times, and it was because those times I was totally putting to the wayside for a second my program and my higher power, and I decided to not give a shit about myself, but I didn't get high, and I'm so lucky I didn't, um, because after that one second I snapped out of it, and I realized, like, how valuable my life is today, and yeah. I don't know. I'm lucky today that I I get to be a director at the facility, the treatment center that I went to out here, which is really mind-blowing even more. But yeah, I get to help women and that's not part of my program. I'm just saying that because I'm I fucking love it and it's so cool to help other women period in this program and getting clean. And it does remind me from where I was and, like, where I am now. But either way, um, working with women, working the steps, getting a sponsor, all that stuff that, like, we all say, like, these steps behind me on the wall are everything. I, I say it all the time, like, this is the closest thing to a cure that we will ever get. It is not a cure because, like I said, you have to maintain it or else it'll go right, it'll slip right out of your fucking fingers. But that is the closest thing and is such a beautiful process. And attraction rather than promotion, I'm not gonna promote the program to you, but I will tell you it is very fucking attractive, okay? So that's it, that's all I got. Yeah.